Fusion Patrol is a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can help support us at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. This is the Fusion Patrol podcast. Each week, we look at a different science fiction TV episode or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at the Doomwatch episode, The Inquest, by the redoubtable Robert Holmes. Episode synopsis, a dramatic reading. Hardcastle of Doomwatch is on the job at a lab in Ipswich. The lab manager, Dr. Fane, is giving Hardcastle an earful of the problems he's had running his lab and the constant attacks and vandalism that he, his staff, and his lab are under. The attacks are the responsibility, Fane feels, of one Miss Lincoln, an animal rights activist and local crank. Hardcastle may not be entirely convinced, but then he's shot by someone attacking the lab and is sent to hospital. With Chantry on holidays and Ridge out of the country, it's Colin Bradley's turn to shine. Quist sends him to be in the line of fire and pick up where Hardcastle got interrupted. The situation is that a young girl has died of rabies, something that is almost unheard of in the British Isles, and the coroner's inquest is imminent. The inquest had been postponed to give the Ministry of Health an opportunity to locate the infection vector and take immediate preventative steps. Miss Lincoln has made accusations that Fane's lab is responsible for the rabies case, and the Ministry of Health had requested the Ministry of National Security to send in Doomwatch to investigate that possibility. The inquest begins. Mr. McAllister from the Ministry of Health testifies that, while they found no vector as yet, that it must, almost, absolutely, certainly, be a dog. There are other animals that can carry rabies, but it's not that. It's bound to be a dog, and the Ministry has quarantined several suspect dogs and ordered all dogs in the area muzzled until further notice. Miss Lincoln, a virologist by training, asserts that tsetse flies, which are used in the lab's experiments, have gotten loose and might have been the vector. Tsetse flies, like mosquitoes, are bloodsuckers and have been known to be a vector for viral transmission. Fane asserts that it is impossible for the flies to get loose, although Miss Lincoln presents a specimen at the inquest, claiming it was captured in the village. Bradley testifies that, from Doomwatch's research, it's virtually impossible, since tsetse flies cannot carry the rabies virus. Further, though, he does understand and explain for the inquest Miss Lincoln's concern. Tsetse flies are related to fruit flies. Fane's project is to reduce fertility in tsetse flies, which are a major cause of death and economic hardship in Africa. Fane started by doing genetic research on fruit flies, and then, through a process called passage, which coincidentally can create blue spiders, moves the successful fruit fly results into tsetse flies. Fruit flies carry a harmless virus, the Sigma virus, which is related to rabies, but does not exist in tsetse flies. Lincoln's hypothesis is that the fruit fly virus, Sigma, through the passage, entered the tsetse flies, where it then mutated into something indistinguishable from rabies. Those flies then escaped from Fane's lab 
and infected the girl. In Bradley's opinion, this is also virtually impossible, and that it is without doubt dogs. And while there was no sign of a bite on the dead child, rabies can be transmitted to a skin lesion via licking, and that must be how she contracted the disease. Further, to the uproar of the community, he recommends shooting all dogs in a five-mile radius. Quist comes to Ipswich to convince Hardcastle to check himself out of the hospital against doctor's orders. They're just too short-staffed, and he needs him back on the job. They bump into Bradley in the pub and decide to stick around for the end of the inquest. When the inquest resumes, McAllister reveals that he's just received word that one of the quarantined dogs has tested positive for rabies and that the infected dog had been collected from none other than Miss Lincoln. All eyes in the court turn towards Miss Lincoln. But no, she says, that dog was a stray I rescued shortly after dogs broke out of Dr. Fane's lab. All eyes turn back towards Dr. Fane. Hardcastle has an idea, and he and Quist leave to check it out. The hotelier's son, Harry, was friends with the dead girl. He loves dogs. He has a dog bite on his arm, and he's been stealing food for dogs. Quist and Hardcastle find an abandoned building and the remaining dogs at large from Fane's lab. They also find Harry holding a rifle on them, the very same rifle that shot Hardcastle. It seems Harry has been listening to Miss Lincoln, and it's put ideas in his young, impressionable mind, radicalizing him into a lab terrorist. And when I say lab terrorist, I'm in a terrorist who targets labs, not a terrorist who is a Labrador retriever. They talk him down and take him to the hospital, then return to the inquest. They reveal that Harry stole the dogs from the lab, hid them in the abandoned building, took his friend, the dead girl, to see the animals where she got infected. The rabid dog, still not showing signs of the disease, then escaped and was picked up by Miss Lincoln. So, Dr. Fane, take a look at this picture of the rabid dog. It's got docked ears. That's illegal in the UK. So this must have come from Europe. Where did you get those dogs? And all eyes turn back towards Dr. Fane. I just bought them, says Fane, from the hotelier. And all eyes turn towards a minor character that's barely played a part in this episode, but now, we learn, has a deal with a smuggler to bring him contraband schnapps from Europe. And when there's a demand, dogs. Exonerated, Fane is relieved, but Quist rounds on him. You run a sloppy lab. Get your act cleaned up. The end. Okay, the inquest. Once again... No clue where this episode was going when it started. <laughs> what did you think of the inquest? Uh, well, the interesting thing about this one for me is, I mean, separate from what I actually think about it in terms of my enjoyment of the story, but it, this is really not science fiction at all, is it? I mean, we've uh, talked about how no. sometimes it's like, it, it's, it's, it's extrapolating concerns from present day science and sometimes it sometimes the science itself is is kind of one step into the future but this is this is just this is rabies this is like yeah yeah i mean i think it's it's we're pushing it here uh with the whole passage which i'm just going to say i tried to do some research on passage as mr bradley called it and I could find virtually nothing except that it is a thing and that it's probably not called passage. It's called passage. Uh, but I, in deference to him, I've called it passage during, during the course of the, the episode. And is, is, is that what was used in the web of fear? 
Yes. Because you alluded to the blue spiders. Because I tell you what, yep. in terms of my enjoyment of the episode, my my new favourite Doomwatch Passage episode is the Inquest. This is a much this is the same theme and a much better episode. I, I yes. I will absolutely agree. Uh, and it's you know it's it's basically if you think about it, it is the same. They take one animal and they use passage on it, they grind them up, feed them to them, and then those animals, which in this case in the first were moths, get eaten by the spiders, and in this one, the fruit flies are fed to the tsetse flies, so it's the same process. And in that case, the the moths had a virus and or the fruit flies had a virus that when they got into the next species mutated into a disease indistinguishable from some other disease yellow fever in one rabies in this although that didn't actually happen in this one they are quite literally telling the exact same mechanism and saying this this might happen and there's no mention of it from Dr. Bradley there that, by the way, that did happen just uh, a couple of months ago uh, on, <laughs> on this very, on this very Doomwatch show. Um, but, you know, so it is, it is the same concern in a way that, if you will, science fiction concern, because it is a fiction based on science. But um, I, I know but, that's but, it, but it's also a fiction that. in the yeah. story. I mean, that, yes. that is the difference. There's, there's, the science is the same. The story is different. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we come down to this this whole surprisingly tensely written coroner's inquest. Mm. <laughs> like, yes. It was, we, it was good. I, I really, really like the episode. I mean, I just, I was riveted by the whole thing. But it's notable that if you were to stage this in a theatre, you'd only need a couple of sets. You'd have to rewrite a few scenes, it's true. But it's, it is all basically a couple of sets, isn't it? Because most of the action takes place in the coroner's court. Which is the pub's dining room. Which so... is the pub's dining room. So you could easily reuse reuse the set as the bar and the dining room. And, you, and you, yeah, you'd have a stage play. I right actually there. have a question about that. I have a question about that. Do you think that was a cost-cutting... I th- I I mean I think there was there was likely I have absolutely no idea but but th- knowing knowing the kind of way in which uh, TV would have been commissioned at the time there would there would more than likely be a number of episodes in the series and and you know Robert Holmes would have been given this one where you're told you you basically can't have any location you've got you can have minimal sets write it to fit within that and i guess the budget was there to have a fair number of extras we've got a pub but, so we got a pub set in storage so <laughs> you know, yeah and actually probably room. it's not that many i mean they're all non non-speaking extras sitting around in the for the in most the, part uh, yeah in the actual court scenes so the, the, there are a couple of small speaking parts. You've got the the, the journo and the kid, and but yeah, mostly it's it's your 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 core Doomwatch cast who who are Quist, Hard, Hardcastle, and Bradley only this time, plus you your your main guests, um, mm-hmm. the Doctor Fane, the coroner, and the McAllister. fantastic Mary Lincoln. Yeah, so it. it... It was, um, and I don't have a whole lot of notes on it, to be fair. Uh, you know, watching the episode, it was, it kind of stands on its own. 
it 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 doesn't really raise a lot of questions. I mean, rabies is a nasty, nasty disease, and yes, I don't, and it, that, you know, that, that, it it always petrified me. And the, the I think partly because it was such a big thing. Whenever you, whenever you, it, <laughs> well, it can't well, be rabies would you. petrify you in the end. Well, yes, indeed, but, <laughs> but 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 when you leave or indeed return to the UK, you know, every port is plastered with these notices about take and. You know, back back when I was growing up, there were no dog passports or chips that let you scan your animal and therefore prove that it had, uh, you know, had its jabs and was therefore safe to take abroad or return to the UK. And I didn't so know that couldn't... was a thing even now. <laughs> oh, a dog I, passport? I mean, still... Oh, goodness me, yes, be- because of making sure that our little island remains rabies-free. And... That that is still a big thing, but but in my head, seeing these these warning signs all over the place, I I immediately sort of imagined that it, you know if one rabid dog sneaked into the country, then you know the the half half the population would have rabies and they'd be chasing the other half down deserted motorways. Um, I, I there was something in the episode that surprised me, and and I get so you don't have rabies. I get it. I don't know. Well, oh, sorry. Yes. But <laughs> your island as a whole does not have rabies. And Indeed. Quist makes a note on, on the continent. They just routinely give all their dogs inoculations, which we do here. You, you can't license a dog without rabies inoculations here. That's just that's just the thing you do for the dogs. And You still have dog licenses. We, we have dog licenses. Yes, we do. You don't have dog license. You have to go straight for the passport now. No, we, or, or the dog. Just... The dogs don't have to have licenses anymore. But they can have passports. Really? Yeah. Well, huh? Well, that's. I'm not sure that it's like weird. I'm not oh, sure that it's like a, a regular passport. I'm not sure if it has a picture of Fido on the inside or anything like that. But um, probably have to have fun, shit, fundamentally, but... it's 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 a document that certifies that the the dog has visited a vet and is therefore safe to come and go and I, because otherwise otherwise you bring it are all dogs dog, required to be chipped are, the alternative and the the old system was you you would you would have to to quarantine the dog for six weeks or thereabouts and uh, so you know the the idea of taking your mutt on holiday was a complete non-starter because most people wouldn't go on holiday for six weeks so they they they'd be quarantining the dog for longer than they were abroad and therefore you just had to put it in kennels or leave it with your neighbor or whatever which you know people still do but like i say it it was it was this thing in my mind that um rabies was this terrifying disease that that uh, essentially sort of drove you out of your mind and made you foam at the mouth and so forth and ironically years later watching house and i pretty much think i've never really guessed who the culprit is bearing in mind the culprit is always a disease and mm-hmm. uh, and rabies well, house doesn't go for the first three it takes him at least three before he guesses it so and he's brilliant so well thank yeah. you. you made me feel much better now. <laughs> yeah outsmarted house good, good job <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's vicodin i think is the answer to that question uh no <laughs> but where where well, i th- because obviously the as the story starts out you don't actually have 
rabies is the rabies is the 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 macguffin that's got doom watch in there but then you have the shooting and given that this is called the inquest and i'm assuming in radio times it was published with the title and the watching audience have already had one of their lead characters blown up it it, i did think hardcastle might have been dead (laughs) Yeah, I'm thinking probably a fair number of the audience, along with me, were thinking, okay, well, blimey, that was quick. He's hardly done anything yet, and they've already <laughs> knocked him off. And then, and then you think, oh, right, they're going somewhere with the, with the the animal rights angle, which is obviously it obviously was a thing then. It is still very much a thing. I say, as someone who has worked in the same building that animal experimentation was. It being done um, for medical research and the the kind of the the amount of just security consciousness you have to have and the the, the kind of security systems within the buildings and parts of the of the place that you can't go in without a card and just knowing that at any time the nutters might be targeting you um, so i was I was thinking well it's going to go somewhere with that. And then also, again, you know, trying to take the episode on its merits for as, as, as first watching, but you come to it knowing that it is written by Robert Holmes, the man who turned the doctor vegetarian. So mm-hmm. you're, you're also expecting the plot twist to, to kind of go around that, that, uh, that kind of animal rights route. And, it, and it, was, some extent, had Roger Holmes reached that point yet? You mean was he was he by then as vegetarian as, as kind of militant about it as when he wrote the two, two doctors? doctors? Would it have been because I been read mid-80s. somewhere or heard in an interview that that was a relatively recent thing that Holmes was on, and that's why he was kicking into it. Now, that may have been somebody dismissing his long-held beliefs. I don't know, because it wasn't Robert Holmes saying it. But there was this kind of, you know, this was was a new area where Robert Holmes was really taking up the activism. And so that's why he went that way. And, but I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. And, And in fairness that, you know, my, my expectations even brought from knowing knowing that that much about the writer was were were sort of confounded it was it was in the early part of the episode because you get introduced to dr fane and your inclination is to be you know here here's the scientist so you want to be and hardcastle is sympathetic to him so you think okay you know he and and he's being targeted by animal rights activists and but this is too much yeah yes yes so he's likely to be the bad guy too yes possibly but i i think i think in series two there's a lot more nuance about that than there perhaps was in some of the early episodes so i think that's fair my expectations have adjusted accordingly and miss lincoln is painted out by fame to be this kind (laughs) of absurd crackpot and yet when she appears She's actually quite formidable and clearly compostmentous, even if she is going off on a slightly eccentric scientific theory. Well, 
our heroes are notable for taking leaps of logic that may may be somewhat in advance of the evidence that is available. I mean, for so, example, there was this time when they took this leap of logic where they thought that perhaps some some genetically modified moths had been fed to spiders who had then recreated yellow an fever. Excellent example. <laughs> it's like excellent uh, example. So Which Bradley was so, not part of, so he wouldn't know. So, so I, 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 I kind of switched over, and you know, I thought Judith first was superb in the in the part, but I, I, I sort of switched over to some extent to thinking that her theory would win out because here was Holmes being sympathetic towards the animal rights person, and and the, the you know the the way she is portrayed is is much more impressive and fane quickly becomes a lot more two-dimensional where you know he kind of dismisses the locals as being a an inbred, inbred bunch of people literally and, yeah and and yes in i mean in ultimately i don't think he gets enough of the enough of the blame for having pressured pritchard into obtaining these dogs who he 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 did nothing in terms of taking due diligence to ensure that they actually were legitimately reared dogs and disease free so i think there is, there is some culpability there he's he's not a he runs a sloppy lab he let his flies get out too exactly exactly um so where 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 whereas uh, miss lincoln does actually turn out to be barking up the wrong tree as it were and it, so she is she is a she she is whilst she's not a crackpot she is uh in 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 a way that fane also is um arguing her case in front of the coroner not not following the evidence but trying to assemble the evidence in order to back up hmm. the theory that she prefers now i, I i'm going to say i still feel that her character was desperate to blame Fane and yeah. that she took, and this is, you know, we know how this goes. If you're an expert in a field, you're going to look to that field. I, I look to solve problems via computers and, you know, mm -hmm. carpenters look to solve problems with hammers and virologists <laughs> look to solve problems uh, with and some other viruses. Yes. And yes, and so she's so desperate to pin it on Fane. She is obviously very, very biased against him. She's yes, so absolutely. Desperate to pin it on him that she's cranked up a, frankly, a wild theory. Should be a wild theory if it were undercut by the fact that it happened just two or three episodes ago in the actual series. But that <laughs> that you know she's clutching at straws. She may put a. She may put the case. She doesn't actually put the case. Bradley puts the case, which I find kind of interesting. But at least he does it succinctly and without emotion and explains yeah. it well. One of the things, though, that I was troubled by in the episode, and it's just it's one of those 2019 things looking back on it. That's quite the stereotype of Miss Linkson, the dowdy, spinster, mannish, unmarried bulldog yes. of a woman. Um it, it it it's definitely a stereotype and who likes you know seems to like dogs more than she does 
let's say humans, but probably men is the correct uh, way to phrase that uh, in the writer's mind. And, you know, this is the kind of person, again, the mindset. This is the kind of person that becomes a, a dangerous, radicalized crackpot. Um, so that part, I mean, yes, I, I, I don't think she comported herself that well in the hearing. I think she was too shouty about it. If she had a if she had a case, if she had an argument, she should have made it. But instead, she went for the here are the flies, and then <laughs> you know, was like, well, so what? Okay, <laughs> like you haven't you haven't made a case. And I realize that that's kind of the structure of the way the coroner said it. I don't want to hear any crackpot theories. So he kind of told her not to. But at the same time, y- you had to. It had to be laid down and. She was doing a very poor job of it. In fact, we we never would have figured it out if Bradley hadn't given it a given it a go. And and she's the expert, and she should have been able to to explain that. Well, I don't know. I, but again, I've come she's a, a bit fair of a, number of experts who are. She was a bit of a ex, crank. Ex, experts in their field, but are not experts in the public understanding of science. Well, then that's true. <clears throat> that is absolutely true. The the one thing that I felt was, I don't want to call it a problem with the episode, but was definitely a big red flag, falls under the uh, conservation of detail law of dramatic presentations. <laughs> when they called out the schnapps as being not legally imported, that's very heavy-handed. <laughs> Like, why would you bother to put that in this story unless that has some bearing on the final result? Maybe it's the schnapps. I actually thought maybe it was the schnapps was infected yeah, I, with rabies, which is as likely as the tsetse flies well, at that no, I point. Didn't, I, so, didn't, I didn't think the schnapps was infected with the rabies, but I didn't, I didn't see where it was going. It, didn't, it yeah. didn't reveal the answer to me. Now, in part... That's the missing ham, it, also, or the beef, was also a tip-off. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but, you know, the, it wouldn't be easy to put those things together. And I, well, I hope it wouldn't, because I didn't. Um, but the other the other side of that, or the, the kind of criticism you could level, and I, I'm not... I'm not particularly bothered about leveling it, because like I say, I, I really enjoyed the story. But it was the fact that the revelation that... Dogs had escaped from Tyrrell Clark Laboratories was only known to us, the viewers, after we discovered that yes, it was a dog, and that the dog had been uh, from what do you call it Hall. I, I am so I am nodding vigorously. You're right. That was kind of a thing. Like, wait, what? There were a, we're talking about a disease carried by rot. Uh, dogs and you haven't mentioned that there were escaped dogs from the lab miss like... lincoln hasn't mentioned it dr fane hasn't mentioned it they both yeah. have reasons not to mention it so it's not as if there aren't good well what was fane character uh... character explanations why it has been a secret from the court but it does seem a slight cheat that it hasn't in any way been signposted to us as as the viewers because there's well, there is no way we could have guessed it what is miss lincoln's reason for hiding that i would because, have thought because she because she has taken in a dog that she knows was an escaped dog from 
Tyrrell Clark Laboratories. Did she more, know it was an escape than, dog from yes. the lab? Oh, yes. I, did, I didn't think we could tell that for sure. I mean, she did because seem she genuinely... Instant, she instantly points the finger at Dr. Fane. And that's that's the that's the only way she can back it up. So whether whether or not she was yeah, certain maybe. about it, she 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 had enough of a suspicion to think, well, if if she blows the whistle on the dog, they're going to come around and take the dog. Okay, so McAllister, who's been there for weeks and has put in uh, a series of gosh, he's actually kind of a nice guy, uh protections. <laughs> I mean, they seem thorough, they seem mm-hmm. efficient, and he's taken in a bunch of dogs that had been known as strays. So Miss Lincoln clearly had to reveal to him that he was a stray that she'd taken in. And so he should have known that there'd been an escape. And yep. if they're doing, they had a dog license, a dog research license, I would have thought that and there was police reports, so we know there were escaped dogs. Lots of people knew there were escaped dogs. You don't you don't just sweep that under the rug at the coroner's inquest when you're worried about it being dogs. Yes, McAllister McAllister obviously didn't know. He should have known. At the very least, he should have gone through the police reports for any lost dogs, Dog? dogs reported found or anything along those lines. But didn't he didn't he say that? Didn't he say that they'd gone through looking for incidents with dogs? Yes. I mean, okay, admittedly, it's not a computer-based system. They couldn't type in the word dog and get every police report that mentions <laughs> dog. So uh, maybe maybe theft or breaking an entry and he just didn't look at it. He says, oh, well, that's not a dog. I, I guess maybe. But, yeah, I suppose. It's kind of hard to look at that one going through the paper files. I'll, I'll cut him some slack, maybe. <laughs> maybe. It's just... Yeah. So yeah, there are a few there are a few structural things there, but, but the by other, and large, the, didn't the other thing that is interesting about the story, but is not in any way a criticism, is that it is to some degree a whodunit. And a lot of, a lot of the tension rests on these sort of layers being revealed. But the but the whodunit is entirely about the the little girl who died from rabies. From the moment that the 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 journalist with the fancy tie I forget his name, mm-hmm. but I remember he had a McAllister headshare fancy tie. Um, from the moment that he asked Miss Lincoln to speculate on who had shot um, Hardcastle, through until I guess the sort of last ten minutes or so, no one pays any attention whatsoever to who shot Mister H. Yeah, he's and, an outsider. And indeed, I, I, I don't care personally because I'm, I'm actually engaged in the other question entirely, which I, I think is quite surprising but quite clever. And then, of course, we, we do get the reveal, and it's tied into the, the, the death of the girl as well. So you know, it's it, the fact that it's not actually that the, the shooting isn't that interesting a mystery. It doesn't really matter because we get a satisfactory conclusion to the thing as a whole but it, it, i i just thought it was quite it was quite an interesting way to sort of to do a who done it well i mean it, that that criticism echoes the same thing about um in the dark where they committed fraud on the shareholders yeah it's a crime committed that we don't care about for the for the sake of the story but yeah, yes but know, I, but i but i th- but i think 
in story. I think they were blaming there are good, her, There are good reasons why they would not particularly be discussing it. The, journal, the journalist has asked the question when it was natural for him to ask the question. But as, as far as Hardcastle himself and the, and the Doomwatch lot are concerned, they've, they've given interviews to the police. And now it's a police matter to answer that question. And it's only in, in TV fiction world where you go, oh, we'll track down the culprit ourselves. Everyone else would just go, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll wait until Sergeant whoever... Um, pops around and gives me an update and the, the the only slightly odd thing from a storytelling point of view is the fact that we don't see any of those police interactions ourselves because there's never a policeman in shot i felt up through as you say about the last 10 minutes that we were supposed to agree with dr fane that it is miss lincoln's organization and therein lies the problem I felt like the way he was building it up at the beginning, that Miss Lincoln had this little terrorist cell of people that she was using that were causing all these problems across the, for the lab. And then when he asked the question, she goes, well, I won't speculate about this and, and points to him. Well, you're willing to speculate about the, the rabies getting out of the lab, you know, go team journalist there. But well, no, but her her answer to that is is a perfectly reasonable answer from her own point of view. In the but sense she that does, still she's doesn't explain it. But in a way, she was. We we know she was. She, <laughs> she 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 was she she was wrong, but she was convinced. She did not see herself as speculating. But she wasn't willing. But but her answer about I'm not willing to speculate on that. The question was. Did you have anything to do with it? I mean, he didn't say that, but I mean, that's that's no, what he, the question was, really. Well, that's the subtext of the question. Do you want you want to give us a comment about the shooting? Like, I, I don't know anything about it. That that's that's a better answer than I'm not I'm not willing to speculate on. So I don't know anything about it. That that's a and then it would have turned out that that was a true answer towards the end of the story. As it is, it comes off as if she's say covering something up. And well, then we have the question it, is, does gives, she know it, Harry it, it, is doing it? It gives you the sense that she is not necessarily implicated herself, but that she has her suspicions. And because she is sympathetic, she's not going to voice her suspicions and risk, you know, risk, risk either someone innocent being harassed by a journalist and possibly the police, or indeed risk someone who's done something that she thinks might be justified we don't know to uh, actually being found out do you think she knows that it's harry i don't think so okay and i mean i i did think it was kind of interesting again from a 2019 eye that even though it may not be intentional we're we're seeing the process of radicalizing hmm people into terrorism because he's been listening to miss lincoln go on yes. about all the evil things the lab is doing and all the terrible things they do to animals and specifically dogs and she's just been filling that kid full of full of anger basically yes. and he he turns and i guess you were still allowed to have 22 rifles back then is that a is that gone now or well, are those still allowed I don't UK. know much. I don't know much about uh, 
Well, you no, you're allowed. To, you're allowed to. You probably have to have a license. Would you have to have a license? I don't know. I don't know much about firearms. To be honest, it looked like it could have been an air gun. Can you have a two, uh, 0.22 air gun? Oh, um, I think I saw a spy drama once where they pulled out something and said, "Here's an air gun that fires a 22 caliber bullet." But I thought that was perhaps crazy spy stuff <laughs> you know like bonds underwater breathing apparatus and a watch that fires uh fires cyanide darts so i'm not sure we'll, I'm ha- honestly we'll, ha- not we'll sure. have to uh if any if any listeners have expert firearms knowledge please let us know 22 caliber air rifles that seems like that would be an awfully big thing to get to fire I mean, a 22 is a small bullet but it still seems like a hard thing to shoot my air pressure. But eh, it's probably it's probably viable somewhere. So, question. 1970s, obviously not necessarily your era. Uh, but, you know, I know things about the civil rights movement that happened before I was born. So you never can tell. <laughs> Schnapps. Yes, well, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll use my historical knowledge. Schnapps illegal in Britain? Importing schnapps? Is it is it specifically because it's German and, you know, the war? Or is it alcohol from the continent? Or is it... Because it didn't, it didn't sound like when the guy pulled out the schnapps, it didn't sound like, oh, I don't see a tax license on there to indicate that that was legally imported into the country. It was immediate that that was not legit. With instantly well, recognizable, um, yet it was a pu- it was obviously a proper manufactured bottle from a distillery yeah, what, or however you mention that. Wasn't that because she poured it under the counter, which was very obvious? Because the question was, um, I didn't know that was imported, so it it's not a question of whether it was legal to import; it's whether anyone does import it, and because in order to in order to import it, you would have to pay duty on it because you had to wherever wherever you imported it from in those days and so clearly the thing is it's not legally imported in order to avoid paying the duty not not because it's it's you know a dangerous substance that must be banned and in order to protect um, the british drinking public i thought it was just to protect your gin industry but <laughs> well that that of course is where is where the, the duty that's part of the reason why it is levied. So yes, but um, but it but it's it, you, it, it it a byproduct of that is probably that it would not have been something that most people would drink because obviously it it makes it a lot more expensive, um, harder to come by, and there and as the the gin producers would like, therefore you're going to go for the the easier thing and the cheaper thing and drink their gin fair enough i don't know that i have anything else I, well, i've got a couple i've got a couple of things that that um i thought were quite so one one thing that um requires comment i think is is that uh, i mean quite explicitly chantry and, and ridge are off We're we're getting used to the fact that they are not quite understandably not bothering to try and produce stories that give all how many have we got now six regulars um 
their I guess if you count of... the secretary, yeah. Well, yes, and and she is, although she's not mentioned in this. But Chantry and Ridge both are, you know, they're they're off. So we know we're we're not uh, we're not getting this. And Bradley, who has for well, I don't know because oh, I can't say what happened in the missing episodes, but right. I can say for at least ten episodes of season two and every surviving episode of season one has basically just hung around the Doomwatch computer. The Doomwatch computer called Doomwatch, remember that? Yep. Um, he's just hung around and had the odd line here or there. So it's about bloody time he gets a starring role. And I quite like the fact that he, you know, he, oh, the, the logical thing is shoot every dog in five miles and <laughs> didn't, did not see what the, the problem was with it and i i i just i did i really did enjoy his performance in this it w- it was good to have a bit of a, a bradley centric episode and it felt like it was worth waiting for yeah i i think that they did have to kind of make the make up for that when they asked him so what are your qualifications oh mostly electronics yeah it's like but <laughs> yeah. uh, you know it's like but i'm here so uh this is this doom watches i'm just the spokesman basically um but you know i think he's he's still a logical scientific mind so we're not it's not too bad it just it was kind of it was it was nice to see him get an episode i wonder if that was because somebody said hey let's get bradley an episode or if somebody said we can save money by having an episode with ridge and chantry filming somewhere else well i mean because we've we've had episodes that have only had certain members of the regular cast and to to be fair that is that is a a common thing in series television that you know you can you can identify episodes of the avengers where you know steed isn't in it except at the Mm -hmm. beginning and the end or mrs peel isn't in it except at the beginning of the end right through to to the kind of modern day dr light episodes or indeed companion light episodes that you know just ease up their their filming schedules a little bit because each of them you know gets a bit of time off without holding the holding the whole thing back and so presumably that is the same thing here and and uh, whether that whether that is just because the the kind of workload on this was particularly high or whether it's because those actors were doing other work i don't know also do you have to get paid if you do nothing in that case in other words if they were they had a whole bunch of extras and they had uh you know maybe a few more speaking parts than usual but not if you eliminate two or three characters from the which probably a contractual question isn't it and and i would imagine maybe if, if if the contract allows them time off to to go and do other work they're probably not being paid for that on the other hand, if they are busy filming bits for other episodes, you know, if, if, um, well, for, well, for, for example, Gene Trend is busy doing all the kind of human time bomb stuff. In, in fact, yeah, Simon Oates and, and, and Gene Trend both heavily in that episode. Maybe they were shot up. at the same time. Who knows? Well, I, so, I, you know, if in American television, as far as I know, you know, People who are above the line, actors, creatives, on the on the budget, get paid by the episode. So if they're not in an episode entirety, I don't believe they get paid at all for that episode. 
obviously if they're filming two at the same time, that's a little bit different. But, you know, if if they put in an appearance, then they get paid for it. <clears throat> and so, you know, if, if Ridge had popped his head in the door, I'm off to Mauritius, bye, <laughs> then that would have been, you're paid. But the fact that all he got was a name check means we can save that on the budget for this episode is is what crossed my mind. And also, my guess is that probably the actor who plays Bradley does not make the same amount of money that Ridge or Chantry does because he has historically been... Well, I don't know. I mean, one, one, of, one of the things I, I wondered was, is, is the reason that we're getting a, a Bradley episode because uh, Colin Blanchard's agent has said, look, you need to... You need to tell those guys to give you a, an episode where you you actually get a, a you know a, a decent chance to hog the limelight for a bit, so that everyone can see what you're capable of, and and uh, you know we'll we'll find you some juicy better work work as a result of that additional exposure. Yeah. Okay. What else? Oh yes. Well, the the. Uh, other thing, and it's a, it's a small thing, but uh, it's a confirmation that um, hasn't occurred as explicitly since we have been discussing and focusing on the question of the ministry, um, and and so that is McAllister says oh, yes. from quote the ministry, and we've we've discussed the fact that that is a, that's a bit of a kind of ambiguous term. Yep. But when uh, he when he's sworn in in court, Bradley states explicitly that he is employed by the Ministry, Ministry of, of National, National Security. And Quist also states that he is too. So we know that Doomwatch is a department within that specific ministry. And although we have seen them doing work for the Ministry of Health and possibly other m- ministries, we now have solid concrete evidence that that is where they are actually based that is that is their home ministry i did actually put that in the recap because i i i I made a note of it that McAllister did actually there was a statement that McAllister was with the ministry of health and it was in the scene i think where doom uh where doom watch quist was talking to hardcastle no quist was talking to bradley before he sent him out and Bradley said something to the effect of the ministry of he's working with the ministry of health down there. Right. And Quist said something like, yeah, it was a special request for us to be put on it from, from the ministry ministry of health. So there was, which, which, which isn't the first time that has happened. And, correct. and it, und, it underlines the fact that part of their remit, even, even though, you know, the, the, HR department or personnel, of course, as it would have been in 1971, that that uh, they that would look after their their contracts and their payroll and so forth would be based in the Ministry of National Security. Part of their remit, obviously, is to work with other, you know, other parts of Whitehall. And so, when they refer in passing to the minister. You can't assume that the minister in question is one of the ministers in the Ministry of National Security. Is could national be. security real? It not ever existed to my knowledge. Okay, it's it's like Jim Hacker's uh, 
ministry. The Department of Administrative Affairs, yeah. Yeah, I, it's, it's, I, it tells I mean, you I, something, I don't, but it I doesn't don't tell know. you what it is. I haven't is. checked exhaustively that there was no Ministry of National Security, but I, I'm not aware of you know, that ever having existed. Y- you hear Ministry of National Security as an outsider, and you think defence, Department of Defence, Ministry of Defence, but it's not, right? National security is such a nicely vague term, it can mean anything. It's like, yeah, yeah. it makes perfect sense. We are securing the country against rabies. <laughs> it's like they're doing whatever it takes, wherever it takes, and in Doomwatch's case, when it comes to technology and science. So, yeah, no, I, I was I I almost wonder if 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 it weren't for the fact that it's temporally impossible, if Robert Holmes hadn't heard our podcasts and then wrote this into the episode specifically <laughs> so that we would finally know once and for all what the heck the structure of this organization was. It was <laughs> I, I, I actually gave I clapped when I was at home. And when they said from the Ministry of National Security, I'm like, yes. Finally, <laughs> I can finally go back there and say to Simon, doggone it, they're in a ministry. <laughs> They've got a minister somewhere. <laughs> they, sure. they, they have a minister. They may have more than one. And as we know, they may, they may be working with other ministers. So when they refer to the minister in the context of a conversation where we may not have heard the beginning or we, you know, that, that we, we're coming in to a story and they're already working on something, the minister in question may be the minister of health or a minister in the ministry of health or ag and fish or whatever other ministry is actually involved in, in the kind of scientific shenanigans that they're sent in to investigate. I'm going to go back. I am going to do this now. I'm going to watch the first part of the fish people, um, the battery people. And because they're eating fish and the fish is, yeah, anyway. Um, because I, I, I thought think... you meant you were going to watch where, um, the underwater menace there. The underwater menace, which is perfectly understandable. No, no, no. When it when they animate it, I will watch it one more time, <laughs> but but not not before. Um, I think my recollection is that Quist actually says there is a new minister of national security in that episode, and that that guy who they took down that they were trying to suck up to, that was his specific title. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm going to go back and watch it because I know it's at the very beginning of the episode because that's, you know, starts them off on the whole try to try to make us look good to the new minister. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I, oh. I did have that and I'm pleased. Go ahead. Uh, I, there was one other thing I forgot. Oh, and one more thing. Um, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. The um, the episode was directed by Lenny Main again, and I've kind of heaped praise on on uh, the, was, the uh, script the dark, for right? making a, a, yes, indeed, um, which I thought was brilliantly directed. Um, again, you know, yes, the, yes, the script did a great job of making a very static, wordy episode engaging, but obviously, without a great director, that could have been still extremely dull so good work there perfect um yeah i i didn't notice the direction to be fair but but a lot of the time good direction to my mind stays out of the way it, it's it's what doesn't yes, yes draw you out of the story it keeps you right where you need to be and definitely when you're in the courtroom and, or in the, the inquest in the 
dining room, <laughs> you are, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're right on it. You're right in it and it's, it's got you going. So yeah, all around. I, I you know, when I saw, um, the weird thing is, of course, I've got these ripped off of, uh, DVDs, So they're in my Apple TV so I can get to them from, from my devices. And it, you know, basically randomly assigns a thumbnail for each episode. Mm-hmm. And in the case of this episode, the thumbnail is the shot that says by Robert Holmes. <laughs> so I saw that very first thing when I hopped over to said, well, which episode am I watching today? It's by Robert Holmes. This is going to be a good one. Cause I would say nine times out of 10, Robert Holmes always delivers. Oh, he does. Yes. In fact, I have a hard time thinking of ones where he didn't, but I'm sure if I tried, I could. Uh, but it, it was, I was looking forward to it and he didn't let me down. Uh, if you don't have anything else, I don't. No, I, I have actually this time officially run out. Okay. Just checking. All right. Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure as always. Listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at fusionpatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.